Who do people say I am? Well, Jesus, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some compare you to Elijah. Elijah is a major figure in ancient Israelite history. His name means Yahweh is my God. And he was one of the few who didn't die, but was, quote, taken up into heaven. He was a prophet who denounced the worship of any other gods other than the God of Israel. You may remember him from the story of the worship of Baal. Elijah challenges the prophets of the God of Baal and other gods to a contest at Mount Carmel. And it was the challenge to his followers of these gods to see who could get a fire beneath their offering lit. The prophets light a fire under the altar for their offering, but try as they might, it just will not light. And then it's Elijah's turn. And he ups the ante a little bit. He has water poured over his altar three times, and his fire starts. But in his hometown, Elijah is a rejected prophet. Who do you say that I am? Peter called Jesus the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. Oil is poured over the head of a prophet or a king at an inauguration ceremony. This consecrates the person into office. It's a sign that they are chosen by God. And when the word was transliterated from Hebrew to Greek, it becomes the word Christ. So Christ means Messiah, means the anointed one, God's chosen. Who do you say that I am? Well, Jesus, you're the Messiah. Don't tell anybody. Now, why would Jesus say that? Could it be that he wanted to escape the fate that met his cousin John? Did he want to avoid attention by the authorities? Did he think that he'd get in trouble? Likely not. In fact, The Gospel writers go on to tell us that Jesus knows that he's going to be killed. He knows what he's in for. Theologian Nancy Rockwell writes that perhaps Jesus didn't want Peter to tell anyone because Jesus knew that that's where the story would end. Perhaps, she writes, he's pushing aside the name Messiah because it stops the conversation. What more is there to say after Messiah? And Jesus wants people to wrestle with who he is for them. He wants them to wrestle with their own lives in the presence of the kingdom in their lives. Who do you say that I am? You're the Messiah. Don't tell me that you're going to be killed, says Peter. That isn't what happens to a Messiah. The Messiah will overthrow our enemies and unseat the horrible kings that we have. The Messiah will not be killed. The Messiah will be victorious. In another one of our Gospels at this point, Jesus chastises Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. Now the word Satan in the New Testament does not mean the... Uh, little darling red creature with the tail and the horns, no cloven hooves, right? To the Israelites, Satan was an adversary, a tempter, a trickster, someone who would try to pull you away from your intended path. 
Now the Jewish people were expecting a Messiah to be their king, someone who would come in with power and glory and might and overthrow the oppressors and free the children of Israel and everything would be milk and honey and great and grand. And here's Jesus saying, no, that's not the way it's going to work. Actually, says Jesus, what has to happen is that I have to undergo suffering and pain and death. Some Messiah, right? They expected a warrior, and they get a guy who preaches peace. Who do you say that I am? For over 1,600 years, Christianity has had a creed to define who Jesus is. Now, we human beings, we just cannot quit drawing lines around who people are and ways to define correct belief. Orthodoxy. I mean, we have to know who's right and who the heretics are, don't we? Small point of trivia here. Heretic did not originally mean somebody who held a position against what is normally accepted. Heresy comes from a Greek word that means choice. But in the wrangling over orthodoxy, heretic became synonymous with someone who is going against how the bishops defined what Christians should believe. So in 325, we get the first creed to define who Jesus was. In part, the creed says that Jesus, quote, came down, was incarnate, was made man, suffered, and on the third day he rose again. And in 381, the creed was amended to the more familiar, crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered, died, was buried, and on the third day rose again. One of the things that drew me to this denomination is that it is a creedless denomination. We don't recite a creed in this church. Our creed is Christ. Now, Jesus didn't want the word Messiah to define him. So why do we think we have to? Is there really only one right way to speak about who Jesus is? Is there room for people who don't believe that, quote, Jesus died for our sins? Is there room for people who believe that the way Jesus lived, rather than the way he died, points us to salvation? Is there room for people who don't believe that Jesus was divine? Is there room for those who accept the message of Jesus without having to fit it into the confines of a Christian religion? Who do you say that I am? So who do we say that Jesus is? Each of our four Gospels paints a slightly different picture of Jesus. One of my seminary friends, Richard, describes the Jesus of the Synoptic Gospels, which are Mark, Matthew, and Luke, as the sweaty Jesus. The Jesus with boots on the ground, the rough and tumble, gets his hands dirty, the hard-working son of a carpenter Jesus. And then the Jesus who was anointed by God at baptism and at birth in Matthew and Luke. And then there's the cosmic Christ of John, right? the, the Jesus who from the very word, the beginning, was the all-mystical Jesus. My New Testament professor called Jesus a poet and a prophet. Paul thought Jesus was the new Adam. Is he a stiller of storms? Is he a healer? Is he, like the Gospel of Matthew writes, a disruptor who came... Not to bring peace, but a sword.
to set mother against daughter and father against son? Or is he, like the Gospel in Matthew says a few verses later, gentle and humble of heart? Is Jesus, as Matthew writes, God's chosen servant? Or is Constantine correct when he says that Jesus is a king? Is Jesus a flaunter of religious laws and traditions? Seven instances Jesus heals on the Sabbath. That's considered work. That goes against religious tradition. Is he defined by his family? He was a cousin to John, John the Baptist. According to the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' family thought that he was someone who was insane or possessed by demons. Is he defined by his friends? He was a friend to Lazarus. Lazarus was such a friend that when he died, Jesus wept. Was he someone who had a total disregard for what society defines as proper? He flaunted social mores. He counted among his friends tax collectors and prostitutes, those that the religious scholars and the political elites deemed unclean. He reached out to people whose society had cast aside, and he was an includer. Pastor and artist David Hayward calls Jesus an includer, and he writes, This is the offense of Jesus, not that he was tolerant, because we see that there were many times he was not. Not that he was a good man, because we see that many considered him dangerous, sinful, and a heretic. Not that he was wise, because many thought that he was a fool, including his own followers. And not that he was a miracle worker, because we see that many people considered Jesus a fraud and a sorcerer. No, says Pastor Hayward, what was so offensive about Jesus was that he was an includer. And maybe he was a teacher and a healer and a forgiver. He called himself the Son of God, but he never once said he was. Perhaps we see Jesus as a political rabble-rouser, a political agitator who stood up to Roman imperial power and incurred the wrath of the state to such an extent that they had to have him executed. Maybe we see Jesus as a savior. But maybe the way he saved, we see in very different ways. Jesus saw himself as a comforter and a nurturer. How I wish I could just gather you up in my arms as a hen gathers her chicks. Was Jesus a champion of the oppressed, the rejected, and the despised? You know, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and the Syrophoenician woman at the well. Was he a grandstander? Was tossing of the money changers and the tables in the temple, was that all for show? Maybe we see Jesus like the writer of the Gospel of John did, the way, the truth, the life. I think we've made Jesus a cliche, perhaps. Someone that can be summed up on a bumper sticker. Is he a moral exemplar? Was he a boundary breaker, a barrier crosser? He was called a Nazarene. Is he the sum of only where he's from? I'm sure we're used to that. Oh, you're from Pueblo. Okay, all right. There's a church on Grand Avenue, and at one point they had a sign that said, there's no safer place than being next to Jesus. My question is, shouldn't that be the most dangerous place there is? Was Jesus an example of the kingdom of God? 
In Matthew, we read that certain people in the temple, that the, the curtain was torn in two when he died. Does this metaphor mean that Jesus was a reconciler who forever erased the lines that we draw to try to define what's holy and unholy? Is he the Messiah? Jesus didn't want that word to define him. Is there only one right way to speak of Jesus? Is there room for people who don't believe the way we do? Is there only one way to see Jesus? Can who we say Jesus is change over time? Can who we say Jesus is be different for everyone in this room? And probably the more important question is not that who we say Jesus is, but who other people say Jesus is when they see us. When people watch us, who do they say Jesus is?